Hola, buenos días, chicas políticas, ¿cómo estamos? Seguimos aquí en nuestro segundo episodio de Chicas Políticas. We're going to be talking, there is just so much to talk about. It is now Friday, but boy, it's been a wild week. Yeah, it's been two weeks since, or almost a week since our last episode came out, and it feels like ages. I've, I feel like I've aged since the last episode. <laughs> I feel yeah. like I can't keep up with everything happening. It's, it's so just, much. it's, it's so much and it's been such a circus, but I think, you know, uh, you know, I, I'm a true believer. You have to find that balance. And as much as there's things that are important that are happening, we also have to recognize like the positive, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, let's, let's see how much positive. We <laughs> how much positive. And of course, yes. Somos Chicas Políticas, the goal of our podcast is to shine light on political issues and to really give a voice and a stage for Latinx, you know, ideas, voices, politics, issues. Uh, you know, we want to hear from you guys too. Queremos escuchar de ustedes. Where are you tuning in from? Where are you from? What issues are happening? You know, what is a good word out there? What's the good news out there? Because I know that we get we go into issues, but we want to make sure we also want to highlight amazing Latinx leaders and accomplishments as well. So with that being said, I want to give a huge shout out to Jorge Jimenez. He is now one of our board of directors for the Gala Pride and Diversity Center. So huge round of applause Yay. for Jorge. Congratulations, Jorge. Yes, and I think that's huge because I think that's one of the things I think that we really need is to have representation, authentic representation mm -hmm. on boards, on school boards mm -hmm. and spaces, people to have those titles. And, you know, with Jorge, you know, is Mexicano. He is part of the queer community and he's proud. And that's what we need. We just need yes. gente to represent us authentically. And I also want to recognize the Gala and Pride, Gala Pride and Diversity Center. They've been doing tremendous work out there, also making sure that uh, Latino voices, Latinx voices are being heard. It is Pride Month. So, uh, el orgullo de, de que tenemos personas, you know, nuestra familia, nuestros amigos. Mm -hmm. And I just want to say to all the youngsters out there that might be listening to us is that when you're ready to come out, just know mm -hmm. that maybe your family might not embrace you, but Chicas Políticas will, you know. Yes, we're here for you. We're here for you. Yes. Yeah, so I think that's wonderful. Uh, so thank you so much to the to the work that is happening over there, San Luis Obispo County. This is a step in the right direction. So yes, yes let's let's honor that and congratulations, Jorge. We look forward to seeing all the amazing things that you're gonna do and just being able to support you. So thank you so much for your leadership. Yeah, thank you so much for stepping out because it takes so much also, right? He probably had to make, this, uh, make, make a decision on what to give up in order to make time to be a board member with Gala. So um, thank you, thank you, thank you. We're here supporting you. Congratulations. Felicitaciones, Jorge. Okay, so uh, just if this is your first episode and you're just tuning in, my name is Rita and I'm here with Yesenia. And we want to start every episode with a positive shout out. So that was our positive shout out of the month. It's Prime Month, like Yesenia mentioned. Uh, but now we want to go and touch a little bit of everything that has happened in the last two weeks, which has been just so much. Um, last episode, we talked about Tommy Gone, uh, Slow County Clerks Recorder, 
and the horrible May 4th San Luis Obispo County Board of Supervisors meeting where he was attacked for his race. Um, the day after we recorded the episode, he decided to step down. And since then, uh, it's been pretty much a process of waiting how the board is going to appoint someone. And we're still asking the board and, and all the community members to ask their supervisors to make a unanimous decision uh, and appoint someone that is nonpartisan, that has kept their politics to themselves and that can really provide assurance in our democratic process. And that not just in Slough County, but everywhere in the Central Coast, California and the US, we need um, elect, election officials that can you know, give assurance of of nonpartisanship. Yeah, and I think it's important too with, with the situation with Tommy. He was this man who is an Asian man, right? Mm -hmm. Who was attacked. Uh, that was so disgusting what the caller had said to create this divisiveness and mm -hmm. to really show just few hate. Um, I don't, I don't, although that happens, I don't want us to take steps back, mm -hmm. right? That position in my heart of hearts, it needs to go to someone of color. Like, I really feel that. Yeah, like, that to, to awesome. show, to do it right, um, to show diversity. I would love to see a Latino take that position, mm -hmm. uh, someone in the queer community take that position, just to even show that San Luis Obispo has some sort of integrity. Because yeah. I just feel like it's not okay to just bully people out of positions, mm -hmm. which is what we're seeing happening, right? Yeah, and it, it hasn't just happened at the county board supervisors um, in, like, to Tommy Gone. We just found out this week, I just found out this week that uh, the IWMA, which is the Integrated Waste Management Authority, it's pretty much the, or the government entity that's in charge of deciding how to manage our waste, like recycling, all of that. The director of this uh, agency has resigned. And this is following uh, many meetings where the members of the IWMA, which surprise, surprise, it includes uh, Debbie Arnold, Lynn Compton, John Pichon, the same, the Qué same guy. Interesante. <laughs> <laughs> Plot twist. Um, <laughs> they also have been giving a hard time to the IWMA staff. And um, again, this is a, an agency that's in charge of deciding how we manage our waste. And for a year, or maybe a couple of years now, uh, there has been a community effort to ban styrofoam. You know, styrofoam is not good. Like no one right. can say that it, styrofoam is good. Uh, except Debbie Arnold. <laughs> <laughs> Debbie Arnold says that she doesn't have any problem with styrofoam. And so Lynn Compton, John Bichong obviously supported her. Um, and also a few elected officials from Paso Robles and Atascadero that have, you know, those conservative majorities who really don't care that much about the environment. They just, you know, want to push for uh, their own agendas. And they just have been given the IWMA staff a really hard time. And now the director has resigned and is moving to a different county. And it's just a loss, you know. And I think too, right, and it's sad that saving our earth is something political. Oh like, that's gosh. crazy to me. And, and, the, and the one thing I think that we need to be keeping in the forefront, look, we can use up resources as much as we want, but we need to hit the reality that we need to start taking care of the earth that we live on. Like if we, if we don't get it together in regards to our natural resources, guess what? It's not going to be good for us. Mm -hmm. So to me, the idea that I think the biggest thing is, yeah, let's explore other opportunities to figure out, okay, to not use styrofoam. I don't mm -hmm. think like, I don't understand why that would be such a crazy concept. 
right? It's like, how can we improve? How can we reduce our, our footprints, right? Like, let's, let's have conversations of figuring out. And I think that's what makes me upset is how polarized things are to a point where you have to have someone resign, right? Like it should never get to that point. And we're talking about styrofoam guys. So if people are are to that level of manipulation, like we need to be engaged. Well, the thing is that um, these supervisors continue to escalate issues and whatever it is. And the same thing happened with styrofoam. Uh, So they realized that the styrofoam bin had passed. They tried to, they try to block it. They try to pause it. They try to do everything. So it didn't come, um, in this so actually didn't come into order and when they realized that they were gonna fail they pretty much threw a tantrum there's no other way to to explain it yeah and we're not said, watering down stuff no here. no no, no, no. Politicas. no we're just calling it straight shooters if pow, anything pow. i feel like i'm being too nice if anything <laughs> because they threw a tantrum and then they threatened the iwma the integrated waste management authority of san luis obispo county to leave so they said we're taking the county out and if you're like wondering well if you take the county out of the county iwma what's left well you have the cities and so from all the seven cities that we have in san luis obispo county pastor was in atascadero i believe said yeah we'll probably also look into leaving uh i'm not sure if pismo although they're pretty much up there with with that same crowd um but they're pretty much uh, threatening that they were going to pull out, which would mean that instead of having one integrated waste management authority, we would have potentially eight disintegrated, I guess the word, divided management authorities. And so we would have eight times the amount of staff, eight times the amount of cost, and that's just going to come down to our pockets. So if you're thinking, oh, why do I care about this integrated waste management authority? It's probably going to come down to your payment because we pay for the how or waste is managed and i think that's what's hurtful too is there's been so many um politicized issues Mm -hmm. that our elected officials are forgetting to like serve the people right like we shouldn't have to pay the price for a political agenda like this is a county issue that i feel has easy resolution that we can come to a compromise and figure out other options right and i think uh, this has been the attitude for a long time Mm -hmm. and when it's coming to things where it's going to affect our pockets and how we we've been paying the price for so many decisions and enough is enough and so Rita what what can we do to really you know raise our voice to to hold accountability and to what what is the next step so right now um everyone's gonna get even even more pissed <laughs> but right now the iw so the the board which is a representative of every city and the supervisors the five supervisors have uh asked the staff of the iwma to spend thirty-two thousand dollars on coming up with a study of what it would be like if the iwma is no more the iwma as we know it and the staff already presented a uh, like a presentation that was uh, showing how much money they were saving by being integrated, and it was like millions of dollars. Yeah. And so now they're spending thirty-two thousand dollars out of our taxes to say how much money it's going to cost us to divide the IWMA, which is nonsense. It's just madness. So um, it goes back to you know 
who is in that board, a representative of your city. So make sure that the people representing you at the city level and at the county level, uh, if you live in an unincorporated area, you don't live in a city at the county level, uh, actually represent you. And if they don't, vote them out. Now, the county elections are, uh, the county positions are mostly um, decided at the primaries, not at the November general elections, at the primaries. And that's going to happen June of 2022. So from here on till June, we're going to remind you every two weeks that June primaries are coming and that it's really important for you to get the representation that you need. If you're happy with things, how things are going, reelect them or elect someone that you know you're happy with but if you're not happy you, you have to find alternatives sí y siempre creo que como toda la gente se queja cada año ya subió esto que ya mm. tenemos que pagar más de esto y no se vale que nomás nos estemos quejándonos mm -hmm. y no somos parte de la solución no somos parte de de hablar y que nuestra voz sea escuchada. Creo que por mucho tiempo nos hemos estado quejando y no estamos haciendo las cosas para asegurarnos que los, que los cambios y las personas que están, que son nuestras, uh, que están en la oficina, que realmente nos escuchen, porque sí tenemos poder. Esto es algo uh -huh. local, es un, muchas veces dicen, bueno, y esa niña es que, que, que me gano votar. No, eh, creo que muchas veces la gente no no sabemos cómo funcionan las elecciones, uh -huh, uh -huh. pero creo que algo así que nos va a afectar y que nosotros vamos a tener que pagar la diferencia, ¿verdad? Uh -huh. De todos estos gastos y si se divide todo esto, va a afectar mucho a la comunidad. Entonces, hay que, hay que preguntar, bueno, ¿qué está pasando? Hacer el tiempo uh -huh, para llamar y, y ser parte de las elecciones que se acercan. Sí, y solamente quedan 12 meses, un año hasta junio del 2022, pero en realidad ese año se va a pasar súper rápido y las campañas ya van a comenzar muy pronto, ¿no? Y hay elecciones que se han perdido por 10 votos. Uh -huh. So 10 votos have made a difference in some elections. Some other elections, 60 votos. Right. So if uh, you take your primo, your, no, tu tía, el tío, la abuelita, el abuelito, no, 10 personas que yo sé que conocen a 10 personas, esas 10 personas pueden hacer la diferencia en elecciones locales. Right. Es que tu voz, tu voto importa demasiado. Y tienes 12 meses, es más, tienes menos de 12 meses para uh, registrarte para votar, porque hay muchas personas que pueden votar, que son ciudadanos, que son mayores de 18 años, pueden votar pero no están registradas para votar. Sí, and, and you know, guys, we, we have to do better. We, yeah. I always see people getting upset, but it's not enough to get upset. Like, we yes. actually have to become civically engaged. Mm -hmm. Like, it, it, I think, I think that the turning point here in Slow County, we're seeing all of these things play out, and it's so painful to listen and watch, and I'm really hoping that people are shaken mm -hmm. to want to actually make action happen because yes. it's not enough to just post on social media mm -hmm. it's not enough to share that post it's not enough to share your opinion look i don't want to hear about any of this unless you're actually doing the work and showing up for accounts exactly. so exactly that might be my little exactly. rant oh, exactly <laughs> i i'm with you i'm with you because you know when the whole tommy gong thing happened and i saw hundreds of people post on their social media how can this happen we're better than this we're better than this But where were they in that board supervisors meeting on May 4th? They right. weren't in that meeting speaking up for what the clerk recorder was presenting. They were not calling out that racist comment. They were not calling out the supervisors who were not speaking up for the clerk recorder. So we need to do better and not just keep or um, 
or activism to social media or to our own networks. We actually have to call in, you know, just Google any board that you're interested in, in following, like just Google IWMA board meeting and you'll find the date, the time, put in your calendar. Uh, the same with the school boards or the city council, the county board, uh, just call in and, you know, Yesenia was saying how last month was her first county board meeting, which so bad that that was the, the first meeting that you had been to. It, was, it wasn't bad that it was uh, <laughs> my first time, but it was bad, the issue that was at hand, and that was the whole yeah. Tommy Gong issue, and right? And it was a 13-hour meeting. So, yeah, I, I get it if a lot of people are, you know, somewhat um, scared and, you know, timid. They don't, you might not know what you're going to expect, but that's a long as an experience and then next time you'll know what to expect <laughs> yeah and the cool thing about the the supervisor meetings that i didn't know about was that you actually don't have to sit through the whole entire thing like you can actually call in advance and record your public comment and just state your name and i think they ask you for your address or something like that or uh maybe your location, your name and maybe your zip code. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then you say what issue you want to speak on and then you say what you want to say and then it, you, they play it. So I don't want to hear that. I don't have time. Yes. I don't want to hear that. I'm tired. Look, yeah, trust me. I'm tired too. <laughs> I'm tired too, but we're making time because all of these, like I'm a true believer. Like we don't have the luxury of waiting anymore. There's just too many important issues happening yeah. that are really hurting our community. Yeah. And if we don't pull it together, then you know what? Yeah. You know, I, I'm, I'm hearing people want to move. Look at Tommy. Tommy, we lost Tommy. Tommy yeah. Tommy's going to Contra Costa County. Yeah. That's heartbreaking. And I get it. Like, yeah. you know. And it's happening it's happening everywhere. It's happening at a national level. I mean, we became national news too, but we're seeing it in other places as well. Um, and there are news that are ha that have happened just this last week at the national level that also have um, similar cases at the local level. For example, today we found out that Derek Chauvin just got 22.5 years in prison. Is that right? Yeah, 22 and a half. Mm -hmm. And for the murder of George Floyd, right? Last May. Oh, and get this. And then he's mm -hmm. also he has another case on him for tax invasion. So uh -huh. yeah, so he, he might be doing a little bit more time. And, you know, and I think that's one of one of the biggest things that let's remember, he did not get a trial because the system. Yeah you know, held him accountability. It was it was the people out there. Mm -hmm. I mean, people were screaming, mm -hmm. you know, and and it's and it's hard because everyone has an opinion on how change should be made. But if you're not one creating it, you need to sit back. Yeah, you know, like straight up. And I think one of the biggest things is, you know, let's let's remember the power of cell phones too. that this young lady, Darnella, she's the one that captured the video, right? Yes. And and the fact that you know, this could have been covered up. Like how many more other brothers yeah. and sisters have been victims of police brutality? Yeah. Uh, and I think that was one of the most powerful images, I think, that shaped this country, right? That moment, mm. and it will never be erased. Yeah, and it was this girl was just like around that place and she decided to stay and record it. She could have walked away. She could have ignored it. She could have been like, oh, you know what? This happens all the time or, you know, I, I'm not going to get involved. But she stood there and she recorded it. The video made international news uh, and there were protests all around the country. And it's because of that video. 
Yeah, and and, and today's a prime day to always remember, always and forever, Black Lives Matter. Uh, I think, you know, I'll I'll be honest, I didn't think, I didn't even think that he was even going to do time, to be honest with you. You Yeah, really? I didn't think he was going to do time, to be honest with you. Um, So I think this is progress. Is it perfect? No. Is it exactly what we want? Maybe not. You know, but at the end of the day... It's definitely not justice, because we lost George Floyd, and we keep mm -hmm. losing many more. Yeah, and you know... Yeah, at the end of the day, you know, what I take away from from this movement that started off with George Floyd, and I think there was there was there was like the Breonna Taylor, there was the mm-hmm. Aubrey situation that led up to like George Floyd, right? Yeah. And that led up to, you know, even yeah. Black Lives Matter, what Black Lives Matter, you know, it was, it gets credited to George Floyd, but that was even years yeah. Yeah, going years. in deep, yeah. right? Like it was so much building up to lead yeah. to that big movement for people to take out the streets but yeah. once again that's what happens when you get involved when mm-hmm. you when you get uh to hold accountability and that's what happened to this police department there was yeah. you know there was so much pressure coming in whether it was mass media even the world was in on this movement right yeah. so please do i don't want to hear that you're you're too busy no yeah. we're, we're living in such a, a great they, they're calling this era the great awakening of america that like we need everyone in the forefront, you know, especially as Latinas, we have so much power. Yeah, uh, we have so much purchasing power. And I, I really want to uh, really push this that black issues are brown issues, period. Mm-hmm. So we really need to stand in solidarity with our black brothers and sisters, because, um, you know, a lot of the times, you know, our Latina, our culture, our community, Latinx folks, um, we don't speak on a lot of issues. We don't, we yeah, don't. I think part of being an immigrant and coming here, you know, you kind of thread lightly. You kind of, um, you kind of try not to make waves because, you know, you're just trying to start a life, you know, and, and have a life and, and not rock the boat. Um, but you just can't let injustice, you know, happen without saying anything, without speaking up. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing too, um, we we aren't free until we are all free mm-hmm. right so let's continue the activism yeah. and you know moving on to the next subject yeah. which hits home which it's who would have thought right like even well, in our it's own so little, connected right yeah, it's, i mean it's the same it's thing so connected <laughs> it's the same thing because when the murder of george floyd happened the police um reported it as just as an incident and a black man that had died you know they did not describe what actually happened and what we know now happened. Uh, but we saw in video what happened and that's all we needed to know for all the protests to happen across the world, really. And one of those protests happened here in Slow County and it was led by black youth, by really uh, people that came out from all colors, from all backgrounds, from all ages. Um, and of course, uh, had pushback right, and pushback from our own law enforcement here in Slo County, led by District Attorney Dan Dow and Sheriff E. Parkinson and Slo PD. And what has happened since the protests in Slo County is that youth are now going through court cases because they have been charged with uh, different charges. I think Tiana had at some point like 13 different charges. Tiana Arada, mm-hmm. uh, everyone has probably heard about the case. And today, uh, Friday, June 25th, uh, Tiana had a, a court date. And so um, they were going to talk about the gag, the gag order that the 
the district attorney Dan Dow tried to um, uh, put in order and the judge pretty much rejected and said there's no merits to your gag order. And just to clarify, uh, Rita, what is a gag order? So a gag order pretty much tells you that you should not be talking about a, the the process that you're going through. And it would have silenced uh, Tiana and his team. And the language in the gag order was in itself racist and just completely unprofessional. Uh, they, I believe they mentioned something like, let me see if I can find it. Um, but they they pretty much mentioned that uh, the legal team and Tiana's team was, uh, the attorneys have ratcheted up their media campaign. Ratcheted up. That's like, that's, that is such a loaded word that they yeah. decided to use. And, and once again, the gag order, right? It's clear what what the what the goal was. It's to yes. silence someone. Yes. It's it's hard to really push a case when you're being painted, right? Yes. And and the narrative is being steered by someone in power, right? And it's clear like that was the clear intention behind it. And the thing with with Tiana too is that. You know, at the end of the day, this was this is her story. She yes. lived it. It's it's not okay for someone to silence her. And, and once again, the, the the powers that be, right, uh, being used to to hurt people, yeah. and that's not the country that we live in. No, it's using like institutions to um, for racist practice, and that's institutionalized racism, you know, and uh, or part of institutionalized racism, and. Luckily, the judge recognized it and said there's there are no merits and the gag order has been denied. Uh, but it shouldn't come to that, you know. Tiana is not even 21 years old. She has a bright future ahead of her. Amazing girl. I've met her a couple of times and every time you talk to her, she is just the 20 year old that that you probably know, like super sweet just a joyful, uh, funny, silly girl. And to have her go through this whole process and all the other youth that have been charged, um, you know, it's just, um, it's just very, it's disappointing to see from the district attorney at the same time, it's not surprising. Yeah, and it's not surprising. And I think that's just like part of the ugly truths, right? That we're seeing all of these characters take off their masks, mm -hmm. right? Where they're, these are people that are supposed to be nonpartisan and are very much pushing an agenda. And, you know, I think we have to be reminded that we live in the United States of America where it's not about opinion, but it's about democracy, right? That we have certain rights that can no one take away. And I think with Tiana's case, it's a clear violation of her rights mm -hmm. and, you know, a clear abuse of power. It is. It has been an abuse of power from the very beginning, from when Den Dao used his social media to create this uh, alarming state in the community of saying they're taking the highways and they're blocking cars. And, and the worst know. part was, right, and I know that this triggered a lot of women too, was they were saying that, you know, there was a woman that was going to go into labor, mm -hmm. that they had blocked the freeways. Yeah. And, and please correct me if I'm wrong, Rita, but I think that the woman was pregnant, but she was not going into labor. I'm not sure what details and of like the specific labor situation of the woman but i know that anytime where 
there has been a uh, an ambulance. The protesters have been extremely organized and allow those the ambulance to go through. Yeah, and there's actually uh, the reason why I speak on this is actually like footage of uh, some of the activists speaking to the man, <laughs> and it's just like, oh no, she's fine. Yeah, and and I think that's the thing that we have to really remember when. And this is where it gets dangerous, right? Yes. There's so many heightened emotions. Yes. And 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 you really like picking a side that we create this like fake facade of act, the factual events, mm-hmm. right? And and I think that was like the biggest thing that it becomes a snowball thing yeah. of losing sight of like what actually did happen. Yeah. And the humanity behind the people, you know, because everyone has trying to see it in uh, this like uh, tunnel vision type of view of oh but she took she she, it was like hundreds of people Mm -hmm. uh, going into the freeway but they targeted her they singled her out um and it was not seen in the context of george floyd's murder which now has been proven to be a murder and someone's getting a sentence for it you know back then it was like well we just don't know we just don't mm-hmm. know he was like selling drugs or whatever his story was made up about him but you know if it wasn't for this type of protest we wouldn't see 22 and a half years uh sentence for Derek Chauvin we wouldn't see any sentence for Derek Chauvin yeah and I think a lot of the times too like you know for me being an activist and also planning rallies and, and protests a lot of times yeah I've heard people say, well, if you're going to be, if you're going to be doing that, that there's consequences to it, right? Like, don't, don't yeah. get in the kitchen if you like, can't stand the heat. Yeah, like, like, she yeah. deserved that, right? Like, yeah. she's the one that was running around and doing all this stuff, so she deserves yeah. it. Then there's consequences. Yeah. And, and, you know, the biggest thing I will say as an activist, it is so much pressure. Yeah. And it is the, the weight of the world on you. And even for Tiana, that was like a prime example that when you have hundreds of people you don't have control over that. Yeah. Like you really don't like she, she got singled out along with other local activists that yeah. maybe one day we can like create a podcast specifically on this issue. Yeah. Cause I think there's, there's other key players too. Yeah. Uh, Tiana has, you know, she's gotten a lot of um, press and things like that. And there's been other thing, other, other folks in the movement too, that I don't want to single out. Mm-hmm. Um, but, or I, I do want to give a shout out to, uh, but you know, the, the issue is that we have to be aware that, there's no perfect way to protest. Mm-hmm. There's no perfect way to create mm-hmm. change. Mm-hmm. And especially here in Slow County, there's no there's no blueprint. Yeah. Like who 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 are the activists, mm-hmm. right? We're, we're, we there's very few of us that are mm-hmm. actually doing the work. We get criticized because oh you did this or you did that or blah blah blah. But who who is organizing? Yeah. Like, and even even when that happened to Tiana, a lot of the movement died. Yeah. The movement went down. Yeah. Right. So and that's what they want. Yeah. And that they, it's very targeted. Right. Because they're trying to trying to um, target people. They're trying to scare people, threaten people um, and using those positions of power to do that. And like you mentioned, it's so true that all the it's a lot of pressure on the organizers of these rallies when they act there. There's actually a good cause to organize these rallies, like with Women's March, I've seen that, you know, there anytime after there's a Women's March, like if everything, if no one is injured, that is like such a relief for the organizers. And the same with the BLM uh, protests, like if no one has been injured, like, you know, that's a big pressure. That's a big responsibility that you put on your shoulders. And the same people that are uh, the haters of Tiana Rada, of Black Lives Matter, of this whole movement, 
are sometimes the same people that are uh, defending the insurrection in the capital, you know, where we actually had police that died, you know, where there was an actual attack to our democracy, yes. to our capital building. Like, yes. it, and it's crazy to see that play out too, that it's been so downplayed mm -hmm. and the reality, like on a world stage for other countries to see how easy that was to be. And granted, yeah. there was things that were led Such in order to make that happen. Mm -hmm. Like the fact that it's not even getting, uh, the correct, uh, you know, accountability. Yeah. It's so dangerous for So us. I think it came out that one of the insurrectionists just got one of the first people to get charges. I think some lady that got maybe like four months of oh yeah community work and like a uh, $500. Yeah, something like that. Wow. Fines. It's something ridiculous, you know, and you have people that are in jail for stealing bread because they were hungry right. or for voting when they didn't know that they were not able to vote, you know, or like they're in jail for like 20 years. Right. And then this lady Smoking that, pot. yeah, or this lady <laughs> that, that just went into Capitol and was part of the insurrect, this insurrection, um, that there were, that was chanting Hank Mike Pence gets, you know, community work and $500 fine. Yeah, and I think it's, you know, one of the biggest things that I was just so appalled with the insurrection, too, is that, you know, I think that I think some of us saw that image of the police officer escorting down by the hands oh a woman down the steps. Yeah, we all know, had that been Black Lives Matter going into the Capitol building? We know how that would have played out, right? Yep. Like, look, I, I think it was like servicing around in social media, like we, we just want how you treat them that's like what we want to right yeah. you just want fairness right like yeah. at the end of the day yeah like you know uh accountability is like a big topic and everything like that and i just i'm so disappointed in the mm. way that things have played out and i think this yeah. country has to realize that we have um we have to face the reality that we have a historical aspect where we are racist right yeah and we continue seeing the same trends of you know conservatives doubling down on their stance like then that could have dropped the charges like six months ago but he continues on this and um and he's just escalating you know just like the the supervisors that are escalating the police ring the styrofoam ban uh it's just like we see the callers into the board supervisors meeting escalating the situation it's just it's it's impossible almost to fight against, but we have to, and we need people to speak up and um, contact the district attorney, tell him to drop the charges, to stop playing games, to stop playing with the lives of the youth that were out there protesting, and that to recognize that it was a mistake to bring those charges and to drop it. Absolutely, and so you. By know, the way, Dendal has been disqualified from being part yay! of this case, but. <laughs> so he was disqualified like a couple months ago, I believe. But then he came back and he was like fighting the disqualification. So it's like never ending with these well, people. Well, it's, it's uh, you know, this is the crazy part of all of this. It's become so personal and yeah. it's become such an ego trip. It's such at the an expense ego trip. of the people and at the expense that, you know, democracy is not about opinion. It's not about ego. No one is above the law. Right. Including yeah. The president. Then that thinks he is above the law because he his office even had some um, statements from uh, supposedly people that were in the freeway that had said that they felt threatened. And then the people that 
was supposed supposedly saying those things came out and said I never said those things. Oh. I actually told the DA off the DA's office that I was not threatened and that I was fine oh waiting. Yeah. So there's a lot of evidence Tempering that with, with Yes, exactly. Yeah. And there's there's so much stuff in that case alone that first charges should have never been brought up for protesting an injustice. Mm-hmm. Second, uh, the way that those char- that the whole process went down is just completely racist and abuse of power. Uh, there's specific evidence on uh, against Dan Dow's um, case and reasons, right. and you meeting, know, meeting with Candace Owens and and doing the photo uh, op. Like, come on, we all know what Candace Owens' agenda mm-hmm. is. I mean, she's not she's not a quiet one, right? Like, let's yeah. Like, like, if you're gonna be that slimy, at least be tactful. <laughs> like, come on, yeah. Like, uh, no. And then he sent out an email for his or his wife sent out an email. Quote unquote, his wife sent out an email. Um, for his 50th birthday, which happened last year, I believe, saying how he he was fighting leftist Marxist BLM and how he needed to be, how you needed to donate because he's fighting the good fight. (laughs) And so he's not only doing all these bad things, but he's also using it to fundraise. You know, it's just so unethical, uh, so on everything. Yeah, and I think you have to be cautious, right? Because I know I've attended... um... I attended like one rally, uh, Republican rally. And that was like the other thing too, like just the tactics that they use. And obviously like, yeah, they're hella smart because yeah, there are funding, they're mm-hmm. fundraising, but that's, that's also like a problem. I, I always like try to be very cautious when like, who am I, who am I giving my money to and what am I yes. supporting? Like it's, yes. it's very crazy out there. And it, once again, guys, like this is very real and this is all happening in our own backyard. Like this mm-hmm. is not just some story. And I think to see, the systemic racism mm-hmm. in San Luis Obispo County and seeing people in power flex that power to abuse they're yeah. you know using that to benefit their agenda that's very dangerous yes, and so yeah. I think it was very unfortunate that happened to Tiana but there was also a lot of like truth and and light shined mm-hmm. on how like messed up the system is here locally yes yes and I'm I'm just really happy to see Tiana I think her birthday is a couple of days I believe she's turning 2021 and I'm just really happy to see her and her whole movement just take the joy you know that they naturally have and not be afraid to show it because that's that's really how you fight hate is with that positive light so um shout out to Freetiana Coalition for sure hey shout out Tiana happy birthday feliz cumple (laughs) yeah so next um we did want to talk a little bit. So that was just like, that's just what happened in the last two weeks. <laughs> We're not even into the meat of the of the episode. But this episode, we wanted to talk about, this is something that someone actually shared with us on social media and something that we've obviously been following, which is what is happening at the school boards. It's like a complete shit show, pretty much. Um, we have two school boards specifically that we want to talk about. One of them is the Paso Robles School District, uh, but also we'll touch a little bit on the Lucia Mar Unified School District as well. Um, but yeah, Paso Robles School District. Uh, Yesenia, you were there. I was there in the meeting as well. It was a freaking disaster, but it's not my first Paso Robles School District meeting, so I know that that was not any different than other meetings. <laughs> You know, it's been it's been so crazy to be involved in in watching this whole school board situation. And there's so many moving parts. 
And it was crazy because, uh, you know, the only reason why I got involved was because there is the school board is really pushing to close down an elementary school that is prominently uh, in a low income farm working brown area mm-hmm. and and to target a school and to neglect it because it's been neglected. And now they're saying, oh, it costs too much to renovate it. You know, it has sewer issues. It has mold. Uh, you know, we were in this teacher's, you know, workshop Zoom thing. And, and one of the teachers was was expressing that she had water. It was raining and she literally had water coming down her walls. Oh, my goodness. And that was pretty recent. Mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking, okay, if you're a homeowner or a renter and you're having sewer issues or mold or wall water coming down your walls, that's not something you're going to put off. That's something you handle. Yeah. And so the fact that it's pure neglect that the school district has allowed this to Georgia Brown. And now you want to say, oh, we can't, we can't forfeit the the bill. It's an issue, right? Like that, that's a big problem. And so what's wild about this whole school district is that I got involved because of that specific issue come to find out the day that I call in. And, and this is the thing too, as, as Latinos, Latinx, Let's be real. Just because my English might be spoken well doesn't Mm -hmm. mean it's my first language, Mm -hmm. right? Like I had to work so hard to make sure that my language was to the point that it is right now Mm -hmm. because people always make it a point to point out that we we aren't integrated enough. And that's Mm -hmm. part of the conditioning that people do. And that conditioning happens very much in our school system. Mm -hmm. So... So I called in in my first language, which is Spanish, wanting to express the concerns from the Hispanic community because unfortunately information was not given to them. And that's against the law. In order to close down a school, you need to have representation and from his, like whatever the population is made of, which obviously it's parents, mm-hmm. and being that there's a large Hispanic community, it needs to be made of Hispanic people too. And given the opportunity to have information in their language. So what was the surprise? I call in, ask for a translator, and it was bad. Granted, this was in January, okay? Fast forward to six months, last Tuesday, we're still in the same place. So we've been asking for fluent translations. Mm -hmm. We've been asking for information given in Spanish and for things to actually be authentically translated, not mm-hmm. Google Translate, because that doesn't cut it. Mm-hmm. Not someone that just passed a test, because at least with the Paso Robles School District, they they do ask translators to take a test. And I, I want to see that test, because <laughs> the woman that translated for me on Tuesday, mm-hmm. and I felt terrible for her. Yeah, because it's not about the specific people, right? It's about because a lot of times people can take this personally and think, oh, this is a reflection of my work or of what I'm doing, like whether it's the person translating or the coordinator of the translations, whatever. It's not about them. It's like, how do we all do this better? Because I've called into this school board meeting as well, and I've gone into the Spanish Zoom option that they have, and it's like whispered. It's like you can't even understand what's happening. It's like one out of 10 words that gets translated. You really cannot even hear what the translation is because it's on top of this of the English um, you know conversation that is going on in the background and the English version is five times louder than the actual translation so 
if I am a Spanish speaker parent, speaking parent, and I joined the meeting, I would have left like I would leave like in two minutes because there's nothing that I can get out of the meeting. And I think the most important part too is like let's let's be honest, and that's where I want to be. It's like we can't have improvements if we're not being honest with ourselves, right? Like mm-hmm. I can't, I cannot build a stronger foundation if I'm not honest that I'm building it on a slanted you know, level, right? Like, let's, let's, let's start where we're at. And the reality was that, you know, six months ago, we started off with addressing the school closure, come to find out, you know, there wasn't the the equity of access of resources in language for Hispanic parents. So how do you expect parents to feel welcomed when there isn't adequate information for them to even access, right? And I believe that I believe I saw some percentages of like the Spanish uh, speaking or Hispanics. And I don't know if it was Paso Robles School Board or Paso Robles or for Georgia Brown, but it was like pretty high, right? It is really high that yeah. we are the largest minority in the school district. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's that's the crazy part. You know, we've been we've been so active and we've been seeing so much more information that English learners are behind in math and reading. What a surprise. So it's just the gift that keeps on giving. It's like, you know, now, now we're talking translations. Now we're talking that the kids are behind and there's like all these other issues, which mm-hmm. is so scary to me because for me as a as a community activist advocate, you know, fighting for the Spanish language. Look, straight up, our power is our language, mm-hmm. right? As Latinos, or diversity, this is yeah. this is this is why I push so hard for the Spanish language. And I'll be honest with you, with you, growing up as a kid, I didn't want to speak Spanish. Yeah, I didn't want to speak Spanish. Yeah. I didn't want to be different. I didn't want to have an accent. Mm-hmm. I was thankful enough to have parents who said, "Yesenia." Tienes un nopal en la frente. O hablas o, o te hago hablar. Sí, because I'm hearing, you know what, and I might I might get some heat over this. I'm going to say it because I hear it all the time. Parents, that some parents don't want their children to learn uh, Spanish because mm-hmm. they, they don't want their children to get picked on or have an accent. I've heard that. I have friends Look, who have told me that. They, that's what they want. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what they want. They want us to forget about our language. Yeah. They want us to forget about our heritage. They want mm-hmm. us to simulate. Yeah. And I'm so thankful to my parents because at the time I didn't understand it, but had had they not reminded me that I have a cactus in my forehead and that I am Mexican and I look Mexican, like I would not be fighting today. That's the crazy part. Yeah. Like had, if I didn't embrace my language and had my parents constantly reminding me, mm-hmm. like, because straight up, who, who else is leading the movement of, of the P- Spanish translations? Mm-hmm. I've gotten support. Thank you, yeah. Rita. Thank you, Dr. Susana. <laughs> you know, I can name the people that Jesus and Dejas. I yeah. can name them. But we need more support because this yeah. is the crazy part. This isn't my fight. Yeah. Right. This is the fight for the community. This is the fight for the students. This is the fight for bettering parents, a better representation yeah. and having equity yeah. for, for brown folks. Yeah. Right. And, you know, that's one thing that... Um, you can only take in a message based on your own perspective of the world. And so a lot of people, I think, especially board members, see you making these requests or like hear me talking about Spanish translation. And they they think that it's a personal thing, you know, like that this is the vendetta that we have. Like we are just so obsessed with Spanish translations. Like mm-hmm. we understand the English version. This is not for us. This right. is obviously not for us. This is right. for the people that we want 
uh, to come to this meeting to participate. Right. This is for mm-hmm. the people that are coming behind us, you know? Right, exactly. They, but they won't see that because they don't have mm-hmm. that vision. They don't have a vision of community. Well, and it's also hard to operate when that's not your truth. That's not, that's mm-hmm. not your reality yeah right? there's a lot of privilege you right? know what one time i was at this uh california democratic party event and it was about how to organize um he spanish-speaking communities and to my surprise and surprise of absolutely everything that was joining that that event um the whole thing was in spanish so or our current senator alex padilla was there mm-hmm. um uh hispanic activists were there I'm blanking on her name, but like one of the biggest activists. In- Is it Dolores Huerta? Yes, Dolores Huerta. Sorry. Shout Dolores- out Dolores Huerta. We want to get you on our podcast. We uh-huh. need. I need Dolores Huerta to jump on this on this podcast right on now. On this podcast Call to us. save the school district. Call Paso Robles. eight zero five. I'm not. <laughs> if you have a connection to Dolores, no, no. For on a real note, we we need her on this fight. Yeah, but yeah. continue. But she was in that meeting. She it was Alex Padilla, Dolores Huertas, and like two other people that spoke Spanish and that organized people um and it was all in spanish the entire thing was in spanish and no one knew like there were so many english speakers in that event and there was a chat and everyone was like where do i get the translations i just don't understand anything that's happening like how do how do (laughs) i do this (laughs) yeah like how do i don't understand and then they turn on the translations and they were like it's not really working it's taking a minute and so then some people started realizing was like wow is this experience that spanish speaking people have when they join english events that are meant to be you know have translations or um are meant to be inclusive in some way but it's just still hard to follow and it is you just try if you only speak english try to go to an event that is only spanish Mm -hmm. and you'll see very quickly that the resources that are given to you, whatever those are, will never, uh, they are usually not enough. And we just mm-hmm. have to do really better. Yeah. And, and I want to point out, because you made, you made so many great points in that, Rita, is that too, um, you know, we have to acknowledge the fact California, United, a big portion of the United States was Mexico's. Mm-hmm. So like, you can't ask us to, to speak English when Spanish was like one of the leading languages yeah. here besides what other native language California was, already... was part of Mexico, right? Yes, and there was native people too. I don't want to, you know, disregard oh, yeah, the native indigenous, people, na- indigenous people, native folk, because this was their land too, right? Oh, yeah, this was and true. so the reality is like our history is so ingrained in, in the United States with the Spanish language mm-hmm. that like for people to say, well, you're in this country, you need to learn how to speak English, or you should speak English, or, you know, you get Chris Aran saying, yeah. the official language of California is English. Mm-hmm. Um, excuse me, sir, that's hella racist. <laughs> like, that is that is racist. And he said it multiple times, too, like, we speak English here, so you should speak English. It's like, right? you, you don't get to tell me what language I'm the most comfortable in. Right, and, and going back, like, just because I, I speak English well enough doesn't mean that I'm comfortable a lot mm-hmm. of the times like the legality of terms mm-hmm. or expression even expression mm-hmm. you should have that right to express mm-hmm. yourself however you want which by the way folks you can speak in whatever language you want to speak in the school board mm-hmm. meetings don't let them 
brainwash you mm-hmm. to believe that we have to speak English. And I know that I've been pushing and pushing and pushing and they're trying to trick me to speak in English <laughs> and I won't do it. Um, and that's the thing. And I love what Rita said. Like, it's not even about me. It's about it's the people not. like behind us and the people that are still, you know, like they're going to come after us and right? the children. Like if I'm, if I want to be that advocate to encourage kids to own their identity mm-hmm. as Latinx, I have to model that for them, right? Yeah. Like be proud of your heritage, mm-hmm. be proud of your roots. Like us speaking Spanish, it's who we are. Mm-hmm. It's our soul. Yeah. So to, to have somebody, especially a white man say, you can't do that. Like, and the irony of everything coming from a man who said, who wrote a 20 page paper and, and was very comfortable emailing it. Um, I, about, call it, I call it a manifesto, like the Unabomber type of thing. You know, saying saying like you know, systemic uh, systemic racism is not real. Is a myth. Is yeah. a myth, right? That's what he wrote, and you can find articles on this. I'm not lying. And for him to flex his power, like, isn't that yeah. systemic oppression? It look look at what you're yeah. doing. And there were some radio hosts that invited him to talk about it too. So I just want to mention that out. Yeah, and you know, and what's crazy? There's so much information out there, and I really hope the public, you know, really listens in because you know, come to find out it's, it's the, it's the lack of equity in regards to language access. It's the lack of equity to uh, make sure that children have a neighborhood school. Yeah. So I am so confused. So the school board just, it just completely neglected Georgia Brown for years, for years. And now they're saying that they have to close it because they just cannot pay to repair it. Correct. And so what's going to happen with the people that go to that school? They just have to figure out and move to a different school. So is it going to get closed? Like what is so, happening? So get ready, everyone. Put on your seatbelt. <laughs> so it's, it's very it's a very complicated um, story. Mm-hmm. I think that's very intentional to make it complicated. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Georgia Brown has been neglected. Let's keep in mind where Georgia Brown is located. It's prominently a Hispanic area. Oh, that makes sense. Up, that makes right? sense. So like, it's not like the, the richest part no, of No, 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 no. So it's, and it's interesting, right? Because there's been money coming into the district. And why have they not been, you know, fixing the roof, fix, fixing the, 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 the sewer, the mold? Like mm-hmm. if you lived in these conditions, you would be either complaining mm-hmm. to your landlord, mm-hmm. you could, would be suing your landlord. But now we have seen in Paso, there was this um, building right where they also neglected the building so much that they had to uh, force the tenants to leave the building right. I, believe, I believe that happened like last year yeah that did happen and it and that was wild and now it you know I'm, but now it's happening with like actual schools like public schools right that... it's happening in Paso <laughs> and, <laughs> and that's the crazy thing right is yes. that uh you know the school was in bad conditions and we know that if that was you know Pat Butler, Kermit King, which is in a nicer area, that would not happen. They don't have leaks. Right. There. <laughs> there, and, it doesn't ring there. And, and this is the thing. And, and I think, you know, one of the pillars, one of the pillars of the school board, the school district is integrity. And I think that's what breaks my heart even more is that there was Measure M, which was a bond that was passed to mm-hmm. say, look, we're going to ask for money. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna we're gonna take this money and a portion of it is gonna go to make Georgia Brown better. Mm-hmm. And we have another old school, which is uh, Bauer Spec, that also needs some repairs. And so the goal was we're gonna start with Bauer Spec, which now I'm thinking it was intentional to start with Bauer Spec because why would you not start 
with the the worst one, the one that needed the most attention, right? So they've started uh, construction with Bauer Spec. If you guys drive in that area, you'll see this. They've you know have rebuilt it. It looks beautiful, and the children were placed in portables. They've been there at least for what like two years. There was a bunch of dirt. Like the kids were promised a brand new school that they would get to go to, right? And then they said, you know, once we're done with that school, Georgia Brown is next. So there wasn't going to be any displacement of children. Mm. Well, the narrative has changed. Now they're saying, well, Georgia Brown is too expensive. Uh, You know, the program is not going to go anywhere. So please listen to this part, guys, because it's created a lot of confusion. Georgia Brown, the program would not be closing. The dual immersion would continue. The idea is to move the dual immersion program over to Bauer Spec. Like how far is that? It's, it's, It's a little bit far. You know, I, I don't know the, the mileage on it, but it is a little bit far. Um, walking in the heat is definitely far, right? Oh, and it yeah. gets really, really hot in Paso. And so what would happen is the school district isn't just going to have a plot of land sitting there, right? It's, it's a liability issue. So my hypothesis is they want to sell that plot of land. It doesn't make mm. sense to sell in California for all of you real estate gurus, you will tell me if you have real estate in California, hold on to it. Mm-hmm. Our school district has had a record of uh, not being able to be financially savvy. Mm-hmm. There, We've had so many money issues. Mm-hmm. Why would we allow the school district to make this decision to, to sell a piece of land? What are they going to do with this money? They've already proven time and time over again, they're not good with money. Mm-hmm. What's that? plot of land is gone that's it and that's a gold mine that they're sitting yeah. on that is a prime location yeah you know like Paso Robles is becoming the next Napa Valley yeah right and then they're saying well you know the, the- and that's so crazy in a in a in a place where there's so much income or so much revenue coming in you just let a school you know neglect it in that way Right. And that's the thing too. Like we need, we're not a big city, right? We're not in LA. We're not all these big cities where I feel like, you know, here's city council and here's a school board. Mm -hmm. Like we're such a small town that I really do feel like city council and the school board could come together because if you're listening to the narrative of city council, they're preparing for growth. Mm -hmm. They're, they're getting ready to expand. Mm -hmm. If you listen to the school board, they're saying, Oh no, in the next 10 years, there's no projections of families moving in. If anything, families are moving out Mm -hmm. uh, because of the cost of living. Well, it's very contradicting when you Mm -hmm. look at the two, right? And this is the thing. Okay. Even if I were to accept the, what the school district is saying, okay, no growth for the next 10 years. Okay. That's fine. Then what happens at 11 years, 20 years, 30 years. And Mm -hmm. I don't think people realize how it's going to impact us, that it's going to shift the fact that we don't have the infrastructure of growth over to one side of town, Mm -hmm. right? And and this is a crazy thing, back to the integrity aspect. The school district promised the children about respect that they would go back to a brand new school. The confusion part is, okay, Georgia Brown would be moving to a brand new location. Not all the children are going to fit in that school because it's a smaller school. Mm -hmm. The school district already doesn't have enough bus drivers because for whatever reason, they can't hire people that can drive buses. Some reason, maybe they're not paying them enough money, Mm -hmm. right? What a concept. So so what is Power Spec 
where Bauer Spec students gonna go? So then Bauer Spec students, along with some of the Georgia Brown students, they would be sent to a different location and there would have to be a districting of realizing where they can go. Keep in mind, Bauer Spec and Georgia Brown, low income, uh, there have been, and there's numbers on this, where Bauer Spec, uh, the children are, there's an amount of children that are houseless, you know, low income. Mm -hmm. So to add barriers to families yeah. that are already struggling, families that may not have uh, reliable transportation. So, so the kids are just chips at this at this at this point. At this like, point, let's just move them here and there. Yes. Whatever. At this point, it's about uh, you know what is the easiest solution, mm -hmm. and this is what we're going back of of okay, let's come together as a community, mm -hmm. and and there have been community members that have donated their time, energy, have offered solutions. You know, we've we've been active, we've been engaging, you know, and so we've been ignored mm -hmm. throughout the whole six months period, right? Mm -hmm. And we've been and we've been making ourselves available and, and gifting our times and talents, saying, okay, let's figure it out. I've had folks say, you know, I'll volunteer to be a translator. I may not be good, but I, I can be better than what you've been offering. Yeah. Right. So has the Georgia Brown closing like the physical location has that train left the station or is there any way of it's hard Rita because technically in order for there to be a school closure there has to be a process mm -hmm. that has to happen mm -hmm. one of them is that there has to be a committee of at least seven no larger than 11 which is what the 7-11 committee was formed in, in Paso mm -hmm. to to decide on this the crazy part is that there was no Hispanic representation mm -hmm. there's no Shocker. documented uh that there was information given to Hispanic parents about this committee that would decide mm -hmm. to give a proposal to close a school mm -hmm. and it's really funny because once you start doing your homework and you start looking like these folks can't even cover their the tracks They, they're not even tactful. Like, it's clear you're not investing in Georgia Brown. You're not yeah. even, like, it's clear that they, they have an It attack. sounds like they just don't have the interest. Like, it's not worth their time right. in any way. And, and, the, and the thing is, to close down a school in a prominently brown area, the optics of that is hella racist. Yeah. Period. Like the fact that these are families that get up really early mm -hmm. uh, to work out in the field so that you can sip your wine mm -hmm. comfortably. And, and these are families that, you know, either big brother, big sister gets, you know, little brother ready for school. These are parents like, you know, this is hard work. They don't, yeah. they're tired. And this is, so this old Georgia Brown um, happening within the Pastoral School Board District comes not It's not an isolated event, right? Yeah, and that's even more wild. Like, this is that, crazy. That's just like the, the door that kind of welcomes you into the Pastoral with School District shit show. Right, about four, about four or three years ago, there was a lawsuit mm. against the school board, uh, the school district, I should say, uh, for there was a, a program that was being given to English learners at Virginia Peterson. And the parents got very involved. They got an attorney. Um, you know, one of the parents expressed to me that they had to collect signatures and they had to create this file. And it was it was a rookie mistake. I don't know. I, I didn't I wasn't aware that this had happened or what was going on or else I would have been involved. But they took the signatures and the packet to the school district. Uh, and by the way, guys, if you if you take some sort of document 
uh, whether it be in, in informed to proceed legally or to have documentation for you, you can ask for a seal and they will seal it, they'll stamp it, and then that will be like a notice that someone received it. Mm. So any sort of documentation like that, whether it's for an IEP mm-hmm. or something in this case, like, you know, parents coming together to, mm-hmm. to file a claim, um, ask for the documentation, always ask for a name. Like yeah. I gave, I came just in. Make, make copies, right? Make copies, oh my gosh, make copies. <laughs> so what, let me guess, they lost the signatures. They the they forgot to make copies. They forgot to make copies. They turned in the file. The 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 packet got lost. No, it got lost. I was hoping you you'd tell me that well, that wasn't the case. It got lost. Oh my and gosh. so long story short, that specific case was lost because the state sided with the school district because the school district said that they don't have money. Now keep in mind this district has had a lot of um, money issues. Mm-hmm. So it's like chicken and egg, right? It's you, just you have you have money issues. And so you don't take care of the school or the students because you have money issues, but you have money issues because you just don't know how to handle your money. So you, it's like this never ending circle. Right. And that's the thing. It's like, where do you hold the accountability? Like, who mm-hmm. do you hold accountability to? Is it the, is the superintendent, mm-hmm. the one that's supposed to be held accountable? Is it the, the school board? Is it, is it the staff? Like, let's, let's get an audit here. Like mm-hmm. what is going on? Right. Like it's, it's such a shit show. It's, it's pretty yeah. bad. And please keep in mind guys, I'm not trying to bag on the school district. That's not what I'm trying yeah. to do. Again, this is not your personal vendetta. Vendetta. This is not your, like you know, your your time to shine. You know, no, this, no. You're trust doing me. it for like the community, right? And and trust me, like, and I'm gonna say that you do a lot of amazing things for the Paso Robles community and for the schools and with students and with clubs and groups and organizations. So we're we're like we mentioned, we're not going to be judging or talking shit about people or organizations if we're not doing our work ourselves. So just want to mention that. Right. Thank you, Rita. And that's the thing. Like, trust me, I there's there's more wonderful things <laughs> that I, I could be doing. Yeah. And that's the part that scares me is like we need leaders, right? Yeah. We need leaders who are willing to do the work. And that's been like one of the things where it's like a blessing and a curse. Because yeah. like I said, we were talking earlier about Tiana. There's a lot of responsibility that comes with this. There's a lot of behind tar- the scenes. You can get targeted, right? Right. Was, mm-hmm. That's another topic. Yeah. Um, and, and that's the thing. There's so much. I mean, I don't need any more gray hairs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've gotten more gray hairs. <laughs> but, you know, at the end of the day, it's about. La gente, right? I yeah. love my community. I love, I, I see myself in these kids. Yeah. Um, I've, I've personally have heard the personal stories of some mm-hmm. of these families, um, of parents not feeling welcomed, um, of, of families not getting the correct services for their children with disabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that uh, I think it's like 30% of English learners graduate from our school district in Paso Robles without knowing sufficient uh, reading, writing, or, mm-hmm. or, or talking in English. And it's, it's in these intersectionalities, right? Like, we already know that people with disabilities have just so, it, it again, like this systemic type of discrimination, you know, they just mm-hmm. have so many rights that have been taken from them because they have a disability 
and they don't have access to the same resources as people with no disabilities. And then you have this other circle, overlapping circle of people that don't speak English, right? And you have that intersection in there, but then you have another circle of low income. Right. And so in right in the middle, you just get the worst of all three worlds kind of thing. Yeah, and, and we have to be truthful, right? When a child already doesn't know the academic language and they're going into an academic setting, they're already going to be behind, right? Mm-hmm. When mom and dad can't help you with homework, they're going to be behind. Yeah. So this is the part where it's heartbreaking is that we, I think parents, they trust to send their children to school believing that they're going to get a good education mm-hmm. and uh, this is, yeah a and level this, same is, education yeah and this is not to bag on teachers i'm very pro teachers yes. um and and i do full i do believe the the reason why the school district of Paso robles has gotten so much negative press and it's heartbreaking i don't want that but like rita said and it's not talking shit it's holding accountability accountability yeah. because the systems that we have right now the leadership quote-unquote leadership that we have right now hasn't been working yes. and this isn't anything even against the, the the superintendent right now this has been going on for a long yeah. time yeah. And this, this is, is about the, the part of systemic racism right or any systemic issue right it's not about the individuals but it's like how the system has been working for so long or designed to not work that it affects certain groups of people right and that's the biggest thing like parents trust that their child is going to get a good education so i i know for a fact it's very problematic for me that we have a percentage of students graduating, quote unquote, graduating high school, not knowing how to sufficiently write in English, mm-hmm. read in English, mm-hmm. or speak in English. That's a big problem. Then what the heck is happening inside of the school district? Like what's happening inside of the yeah. teachings? Like, is it staff? Like you can't retain staff because are you not paying them enough? Yeah. Are you, are we, are we in a shortage of having qualified folks? I don't mm-hmm. think that's the problem, right? And like there's something yeah. going on in that district and it's heartbreaking to me because we know that education is the, um, is the breaker to poverty, yeah. right? Like in order for us to not have low income, and, and poor families, mm-hmm. children have to get educated. Mm-hmm. So how do we expect a system that is working against them to get them to break through to success? Yeah, yeah. And and now what we're talking about for Pastor with School Board, that's just like the background, right? <laughs> you just, you just uh, learn that they've had financial issues in the past. They are going through a, somewhat of a sketching, in my opinion, from looking from the outside. Uh, situation with their uh, was measure M um, and uh, and how those funds are going to get invested. Now you're learning about Georgia Brown if you hadn't heard about it. Um, it's not really clear it seems like how that's going to work out. And then with that backdrop which is very active, very present to the community, the people that are involved with the school district, you bring in what happened a couple of months ago which was ethnic studies. But before we continue talking about ethnic studies, we're going to take a quick pause and we're going to split this episode in two. So find part two on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're streaming this episode. Thank you for listening. And yeah, we'll be talking on episode two about ethnic studies, critical race theory ban in Paso Robles School Board, as well as Lucia Mar School Board. Don't miss it. Mm-hmm. 